0: to the 445th of the COVID calls. This is a daily discussion of the COVID-19 pandemic with a diverse collection of disaster experts. My name is Scott Gabriel Knowles. I'm a historian of disasters at the Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology. I'm coming to you live from Daejeon, South Korea. Today I welcome comedian and host of the podcast Bananas, Kurt Braunohler. Just a reminder You can hear COVID calls anytime, recorded as podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, or anywhere you get podcasts. And you can catch COVID calls live on the COVID calls YouTube channel and also on Twitter. You can keep up with COVID calls following the Twitter handle at US of Disaster or at COVID calls. Please help spread the word, send suggestions for future guests and future topics, but please don't wait too long. The regularly scheduled COVID calls will conclude on March 16th. In reading an obituary or a story of advocacy for those impacted by the pandemic, I'd like to continue that now. The headline is Ricardo Flanagan, a comedian who contracted COVID, dies at 41." This was written by Alyssa Lukpat and appeared in the New York Times, October 13th, 2021. Ricardo Flanagan. A comedian, actor, and rapper best known for his appearances on TV's last comic Standing and Shameless died in Los Angeles in October. He was 41. He contracted COVID-19, said his representative, Stu Golfman, who could not confirm the disease, was the cause of Mr. Flanagan's death. On October 1st, Mr. Flanagan said on Twitter that this COVID is no joke. I don't wish this on anybody. On Last Comic Standing, Norm MacDonald, a comedian and a judge on the show who died recently, said Mr. Flanagan was his favorite comic in the competition. I was stunned, Mr. Flanagan would later say about the exchange. After his run on Last Comic Standing, he appeared on several TV shows, including Insecure and Shameless, the Showtime series that featured him in a four-episode arc, according to his IMDb page. He discovered his love of stand up after he took a comedy class that he saw advertised on a flyer in Ann Arbor, Michigan, according to a statement from his representative. After the first class, he was hooked and never stopped getting on stage. He had moved to Michigan after graduating from college in 2007, but his comedic talents soon brought him to Los Angeles, his representative said. Mr. Flanagan also dabbled in rap, tweeting recently that he had almost finished an album in a song called Revolution that he released last year, 2020, he lamented police brutality and said, we got to mobilize. I'm tired of seeing my brother on the ground with his face pinned down, he rapped. Ricardo Eric Flanagan was born March 23, 1980 in Cleveland. He's survived by his mother, Katrina McLeod, his father, Keith Flanagan, and his grandmother, along with several aunts, uncles, and cousins obituary of Ricardo Flanagan, who died in October of 2021. Okay, I'd like to turn to the conversation for today, and I am really thrilled to bring Kurt Braunohler back to COVID Calls, let me introduce him. My guest, Kurt Browneller. once Sky wrote How Do I Land in the Sky over Los Angeles. He's a comedian, a writer, and an actor, and has appeared in the Oscar-nominated The Big Sick, The Charlize Theron, and Seth Rogen rom-com Long Shot, as well as Fox's Bob's Burgers and NBC's The Good Place. His strange news podcast Bananas is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Kurt Browneller, welcome back to COVID Calls.
1: Hi Scott, how you doing?
0: Good. It's good to see you again, and I guess this is what we what counts for seeing people these days. It's good to uh-huh. see you again.
1: This is the only way I see people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm starting to see people again, which is kind of nice. It is. Are it you? It's very nice. Yeah.
0: But help me with the protocol because I haven't. I mean, I I see you know in South Korea we have seen people, but I haven't been back to the states. Uh, since the pandemic was really in a bad, bad place, so I yeah. haven't had that. So, is there some just disc- one question I actually have? Do you do you work out ahead of time if you hug? I've been I've been hugging. I've been hugging. Yeah. You can tell immediately from someone's
1: vibe whether they're like, we're not even going to touch hands. Do you know what I mean? Like, like they'll usually come in and be like, hi, and they'll just be they'll just be kind of pushed away. And the other people you can just kind of tell. Um, but it is a new uh it, it is a new kind of like physical reading of people's comfortability um been, yeah. and i'm just i'm 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 so exhausted by all of it at this point <laughs> but it's like it seems like we're like yeah yeah I, hopefully I, fingers crossed i don't want to say too much
0: yeah you I've, I've talked to lots of guests in the, in the states in the last few weeks who said some version of what you just said it's like it feels like it's, yeah. it's maybe, but I don't, but don't, yeah, there's this, I'll Omicron wait once, now,
1: yeah, I'll wait once, uh once all the masks come off, I'm gonna wait and see if there's a surge
0: before I get
1: <laughs> excited again. I now know, I now know when to get excited, I feel like.
0: What's it like in, I mean, it may be hard to generalize in LA, but I mean, people generally wearing masks indoors or no, it's, it's yeah, really. Yeah, 100%.
1: Really? Okay. And we, so we just started up. So Hot Tub is my weekly comedy show and uh, long running. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, it's been start, we started 17 years ago. It's been weekly, it was weekly up until I think March 12th or something like that of 2020.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then we stopped, we went online for a year. And then when we went, (laughs) When everybody got vaxxed, we're like, all right, we're coming back, baby. And then it was just like surge after surge after surge. And so then finally, we actually had a date to come back in December. And then it was like, guys, we can't because of Omicron. And so we postponed and we finally had our first show back Monday, February 28th, which is almost our first show was february 22nd 17 years ago because it was my birthday it was my 29th birthday and so uh that's why i remember it always so we came back 17 years later and you know everyone has to be vaxxed and boosted and wear a high uh like a high you know kn95 inside and Mm -hmm. drink pull it down drink pull it back up Mm -hmm, that's the mm -hmm. rules um and uh, we have all the doors of the bar open too, so there's like a good cross breeze, which means you can watch the show from the alley now, which you could never do before. Yeah. Um. And so I was inside watching its opening act. There's a musical guest named Tolliver. It's really funny and cool. And Kristen, my co-host, Kristen Shaw, yeah. uh, she has been very, they've just been very, very careful for two yeah. years. They have not been inside a a public place they've maybe gone to the 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 grocery store once or twice but they have not if they've eaten somewhere it's been outside they've never gone inside so she was outside and i could see her through the door watching this opening act and it was like it was like hot tub you know like this thing that we started 17 years ago and the opening act ended and i came outside and she just started ball crying like she was just like so overwhelmed that this thing that we had created was like back. Um, and then when we like opened the show, like she started kind of like got choked up as well. Yeah, and she's yeah. not someone who is usually very <clears throat> emotional like that. And so it was like if it, it, it really was a it was a marker and it felt like a turning point for for us. Um,
0: and it was really special. Well, I'm glad you're back in person. Yeah. And that catharsis sounds really important. I mean, it's, and it's maybe something people need that in the different domains of their, of their life. You know, we were just talking about, you know, reconnecting with, or seeing somebody like, I want every greeting. And every time I do something again in person, I want, I want that. Maybe I don't, I don't want a ball every time, maybe, or maybe I do. I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of pent up, like, just need to express yes the gratitude to be back with people.
1: One hundred percent, and also it gave me a it gave me a new appreciation for what I do. You know, because yeah. bef- like just because of the nature of doing stand up, you just have to do the time in order to be able to do it. You know, it it's not something that you can kind of like do here and there. It's something that you have to just do all the time. And so, because of that, you're very close to it. And I would always, especially since I started the podcast, people will always say like, "Uh, like, oh, what you like? Thank you so much." They're always like, "Thank you, you helped me get mm-hmm. through this thing or something like that." And I'm always like, "Yes, of course, you know what I mean." But we're just having fun. Uh, it's not, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. That's how I always felt. And also about the show too. People are always like, "Thank you for doing the show," and I'm like, "Yeah." We'll- you know, it's, it's okay. No, it's not a problem. Um, but watching the show for the first time on Monday night, I just realized what a, what a special thing it is to watch people do stand up because, and I never thought about it this way before is that it's just, you're just excited to see the inside of someone else's brain and like pushed outward. Do you know what I mean? Like for them to present their view of the world, to you just their take or their experience or their, or their, or their feeling about something like, and they're presenting it, you know, and it's like being given to you. And it does feel very, uh, if it's, it's, it's enlivening and exciting and, uh, yeah, I just got a little emotional, you know?
0: Yeah. I, the way I love the way you talk about it. I mean, I've always loved the way I always love watching you perform, but also I love the way you talk about that that sort of magic of performing. But I wanted to ask you a little further about that. Yeah. But because being as, I mean, you do many different kinds of writing, performance, stand-up, many different things. But I want to ask you about Mm stand-up particularly because it's, it seems like there's a couple important things happening. One is the material, which has to be worked. Like you have to work it, and then mm-hmm. go back and and modify and change and and probably fine tune it to a level that nobody except you understands. Every comedian yes. probably has their their dark art. Oh yeah. But but then there's also the there's also maybe the the intangibles about reading an audience. Mm-hmm. With, uh, for timing, and and it seems so you can't do either one of those. I mean they're connected but slightly different kinds of parts of the work you do. Have did you find a way to online no
1: to... no so and, we ran, if, and we ran and we did a show we did a weekly show we did a weekly online show and we never found a way to do it there isn't the technology isn't there to be able to hear an audience's laughter but not be able to hear them too much because everyone has their own mic so if imagine the, the issue we kept running into is imagine if everyone in the audience had their own microphone at a stand up show and they were laughing into directly into their microphone but they were also coughing and they're also talking and they're also drinking directly into their microphone right. so that's essentially the main yeah, it's, problem it's is too that, much yeah it's it's too much so and then the latency there's like an inherent latency in you know internet conversations there is no way currently with the tech that we have to do it and we tried so many different ways people thought they figured it out people would say we figured it out we got this great system and then you would like get into it and be like it's the same it's the same damn stuff like you know like i we were trying to do it because in the beginning of the pandemic we were trying to do a, a comedy special for amazon Um, that Seth Rogen was going to host and I was going to help with, help produce and do it with him. And we're just trying to figure out how to do it. This was before vaccines or anything like that. And it was like, there was like, it was, it was insane to like figure out if everybody has to be like this far apart, how do we make it sound right? You would have and or if we did it, Mm. virtually we would we have like 20 different sound techs who all had like 10 channels of audio and they would just be riding them constantly if someone starts talking bring it down put people in cars mic the cars maybe we do it that way like we just went brainstorm like a million different ways to do it and uh and ultimately there's just no really good way to do it
0: i've watched some of these netflix specials you know like i mean dave chappelle did yeah, uh, he uh, he went outdoors. Yeah, other comedians, but these—I mean—but these are comedians. Some of these have like unlimited budgets, right? So they can, mm-hmm. I guess, they can do, you know, whatever they want. And the vibe was still not—you could tell it was not. Yeah, it was just totally different. I mean, it's hard to tell about their their timing. I mean, I watch a lot of Maria Bamford. She's so great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> She, her comedy is just like yours. I mean, it's made for these times. I, th- I think it's made for the surreal and the absurd. Yeah, She's one who seemed like she could pull it off because what she's doing is a, is a different kind of performance art. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's feeding off the audience, but it's a different, like if her timing is, is designed to be awkward, Yeah, I think. But she was the one I watched. I'm like, all right, this still works. But most of the other ones, it just seemed like there was a, this, just a half beat or something was just off.
1: Yeah. Somehow. And also well, also Maria off the way that she preps her shows is she'll just tweet, hey, I want to do I want to do my new hour for one person at a coffee shop at 11 a.m. Who's first to respond gets it. And then people respond and she'd be like, all right, meet me at this coffee shop at 11 a.m. And I'll just do my one woman. I'll do my hour for you. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like it, it, it works that
0: way. She, maybe her. she was the only comedian who anticipated <laughs> what it like to perform in a pandemic.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Having severe social anxiety really paid off for her. <laughs>
0: um, Let me remind everybody that you're listening to COVID calls and I'm talking to comedian Kurt Brownler today, who's also the host of the podcast, Bananas. You've been on my mind. Yeah, you're always on my mind, but you're on my mind. I, I had some guests recently that um, I thought, I really wish Kurt was sort of here for this. I had a couple of traffic experts in the UAE. Mm-hmm. These guys are geniuses at understanding traffic patterns and oh, wow. traffic that's... accidents.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: And they were study- they're studying it in the, in the Middle East, but then also they took a global view. And here's kind of what they found. Traffic accidents in most of the world went down during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Traffic accidents that happened were more severe because yeah, there fewer people people are fewer people on the road so fast. driving faster. Yeah. But the outlier, you guessed it, the United States. <laughs> traffic accidents across the board. Also, airline violence. Also, just people being uncivil yeah. to each other and acting out. And I felt like I need a Kurt Braunohler cultural translation of this moment to help me understand what the hell is going on. And I know you track like odd behaviors as part of your day job yeah. and report on them. So what the hell's wrong with people?
1: don't know i really truly i i can't i wish i had a good answer for you i mean people are just really drinking a lot more (laughs) that could be it um i don't know but i do with the um the traffic stuff which sounds fascinating um The uh, You know, they just recently installed, and I I don't know what city it was, but it's in the United States, an AI that controls traffic lights for, like, an entire strip on a city. And it, like, works really very well. And that's, of course, just going to be our future. But anyway, uh, that is neither here nor there. I have no idea why people are such assholes right now. But people are out of control, especially with the airline stuff. The airline stuff's crazy.
0: They've had to... You like, modify, like, rules that they thought they didn't, you know, like, well, let's make sure we have extra duct tape on the flight in case the flight attendants have to tie somebody up. I mean, this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I just, I was wondering, you know, you pay a lot of attention to people in airports, too. I mean, you have great bits about airport behavior. I mean, yeah. I just didn't think it could get worse. And then somehow the pandemic, I know there's like a lot of, I, People are pro-social too. A lot of people helping each other. Healthcare mm-hmm. workers in this time are like yeah. laying down their lives for us. But the public in general just seems to have lost their mind. And I talked to sociologist Ryan Hagen about it. And I asked him what he thought. He said no, maybe just people have been away from each other for two years, and they had to we have to actually learn how to be around people again.
1: Oh, we're I think we have one hundred percent have to learn how to be around people. I see it in in small talk now constantly, where it just like everybody used to just be able to keep the ball up. You know what I mean? Just like (laughs) blah, 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 bullshit, 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 (laughs) you know, and now it'll just, the ball will drop and that everyone just kind of is like, Oh yeah, we don't know how to do this anymore. This like meaningless talk, but in, in a way it's eliminate, like there, there, there is a comfort to small talk and then a worthlessness to small talk, you know, at the same time, like, It can be very comforting with strangers and stuff like that or at a party, but there is. But don't you get tired of it? Don't you don't you sometimes just want to either not talk or talk about something that you actually care about? And and so I I wonder what I'm sure we'll just go back to just doing small talk because it's it's a it's a social cushion that's very comfortable.
0: I'm from Texas. I never got tired of small talk. I've missed it. <laughs> You're very but good I, at it. I think during the pandemic, I think, and particularly in the lockdown, I think my kids are like, "Oh shit, Dad's <laughs> coming!" Like, get out of the They're like, hey, how, how's the weather? We're like, we're all in the house, you know. It's like, but I miss, I, I really miss it. Because you know? I felt like that is also that sort of the grounds upon which you do. I hadn't really thought about it much in, in, until I until this conversation, but that's the grounds in which you do like, we're not all comedians, but we're all trying to like constantly time our social mm-hmm. interactions. They need to be timed. Yes. Right. Of you course. don't get that just by sitting alone for 20 hours and then answering, a, you know, get, getting a box from Amazon and coming rushing back inside. and
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you get rusty. I think you get rusty. And yeah. I think in the same way, people have become rusty uh, about not having When you go out into the world, you no longer have the control over your life that you have in your own home. Do you know what I mean? And that's what you're just used to. People are now used to just everything being in a controlled environment, even to the extent that their worldview is in a controlled environment. It's being controlled by these these AIs of Instagram and and Twitter of what we get fed and seen in YouTube. So not only do we have our our physical world controlled because we're in our apartment, in our home, locked down, but also our our, our philosophical and emotional worlds are being in a controlled environment. So then all of a sudden we we put these people out in the world and then it's just like, well, things aren't the way I thought they would be. You know, it's just this, (laughs) this change in expectation. And that's what I'm always talking to my daughter about. She's only four. Um, But I mean like like the majority of things that make her mad are is that she has an idea about a thing and it's different from the reality. Mm -hmm. And I'm always trying to try and figure out what language can I present this concept Mm -hmm. to a four year old of like what the thing that is making you upset is that you, you have an idea about what is to be what should be. And that's not the reality of the situation. And if you can find out how to release the requirement that reality matches up with your idea and you know of, of course you can hear the language i'm using it that fucking doesn't make any yeah. sense to a 4 year old do you know what i mean and yeah. i'm just Let trying we... to figure out how to talk to her about that cuz i think it's such a useful tool
0: i think what you're trying to do is figure out how to talk to americans yeah <laughs> right i mean i think what you did that problem of cognitive dissonance is actually and i don't want to lay it just on social media or you know, and that's an easy explanation to say people just narrow cast their whole world. But uh-huh. there is something to that. And I think it happens to uh, you know, it happens to me. I was like when I come back to the States, like, am I going to be immediately accosted at the airport? Somebody's gonna come up, you know, and and take try to take my mask off of me and <laughs> and, and like tell me the election was rigged. Like if I every person I'm gonna encounter, you know, at Starbucks is is gonna, you know, Start telling me they're <laughs> QAnon fantasy I, because when you're plugged <laughs> into that and when you're watching MSNBC right. every night, I'm That's waiting. That's how it feels like
1: it would be, right?
0: That's how it feels like it would be.
1: And it's not. The, major- the overwhelming majority of, of, of people are not going down those roads, you know? <laughs>
0: Let me just remind folks that you're listening oh, like to COVID calls and I'm talking to Kurt Brownler today. People are writing in um, Colleen Jasiewicz enjoying the conversation and um, poet Martha Greenwald with their observation that we've grown used to seeing only the top third of our bodies and seeing other people yeah. when we interact. Um, so a lot of body language is just not available. That's another problem, I guess, when we think about doing comedy and performing in this time. Is only seeing, you know, if you're doing it online, just seeing people from from shoulders up. Yeah,
1: and people were sitting down. Like I did, I did most of my stand up sitting down. You know, Ugh. it's just it doesn't You
0: can't walk around the. It doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, but you like to move. I mean, you're a very physical comedian.
1: Yeah, and I noticed it's so interesting watching because I just I shot a, a comedy special in August, and it was just like us. We just hit a sweet spot you know it was like right before delta came on hard and um it's so weird now that we think of times in it terms is. of surges it's
0: the pre-delta special
1: yeah it was the pre-delta special cuz it was like june to august was like a pretty yeah. good fun spot and then it was yeah. like here we go it's a shit yeah. show again um and watching myself the way i moved on the special because I have to watch it over and over and over and over again as we edit it and let's get a different camera angle on this moment punch in here let's pull back here you know and yeah, it's very yeah. it's it's removing all of the joy <laughs> <out> of <laughs> any idea of it being comedy do you know what I mean yeah yeah and um but just watching the way I was moving I was like oh I'm I'm moving slightly weirder than I would normally move because I just had a very short period of time to like get ready and shoot it. So I was like, I think my first show back was in May. And then I had like uh like week, like uh, four weekends before shooting it. So it was like May, June, July, and then shot it in August, did a few shows in LA in August. So I only had, I don't know, uh, you know, if those were all weekends, that's five shows a weekend. So I had like 15 shows or something like get ready and put it down. And I did notice that I was like, my, my body was just moving in a slightly different way. I kept looking at my feet and then looking up, which, uh, you know, hmm. you want to, the eyes are the connection with the audience. Yeah. Right. Every time you, every time you look down, you kind of relieve them. You, you you're like, you're not, you're no longer, it's not necessarily connection, but you, you're relieving them of the feeling that you are leading
0: them somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I understand. You're kind totally. of like taking them. Yeah. Is is that because you're when you're still sort of working, mastering the material, your mind needs to be more in the material, and so you're not as as able to to make it a full, you know, bodily expression of the material? Because when you're really on, the joke is often delivered, not even verbally. It's delivered. It's delivered with your body.
1: I think that it was it was almost more of a getting used to being in front of an audience again.
0: It yeah. was interesting.
1: It was a a moment for me to recharge. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because when you break it, you can go down and then you're kind of with yourself Yeah. You when you your right. eyes are down before you come back up and now you're there with them,
0: you know? Yeah. Let, let me ask you about material for a, a second. And I guess that I asked you this last time too, but I'm curious if your answer has changed um, just about how to find humor in dark times. And and what kind of material you think has been working or or how people and this is will be culturally specific too. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I have watched, like I said, some comedians who have some COVID material. And then there's that Bo Burnham hour special in which the whole thing is sort of a Mm -hmm. self-reflection on making art in the middle of a pandemic. And yeah, um, I actually liked that. I didn't think I was going to like it. And I I got really into it. Um, I liked
1: it, too. The one thing I will mention about that, and I, uh, Bo is a friend, uh, and I I think that that hour or that hour and a half, I think it could have been 50 minutes. If it was 50 minutes, I think it would have been like the most perfect special ever. Hour and a <laughs> half is a little too much. I'll tell him that. But um, what's funny about it, too, is that like the suggestion of it is that he's like living alone throughout the pandemic. And he yeah. wasn't like that was just another. He had a house that he would go to and his wife was there, his girlfriend. <laughs> you yeah. Know? um but it's like that artifice it was required for it to work as an hour i keep calling it an hour and it's longer but um i thought it was brilliant and i thought it was edited so well i thought it was shot so well it was convincing yes
0: and that was the part i was like i don't know that this if this conceit is going to work that this guy is like yeah being alone with his thoughts and tormenting himself over yeah. the absence of an audience, but then tormenting himself over the possibility of an audience. And I was like, I think that might get old. And then I was, I was hooked.
1: Yeah, I was hooked too.
0: So that's like one sort of sort of topic, just being alone, which everybody can now relate to. You wouldn't think it would be funny, but there's been, I think, some probably good room for, for comedy in there. Other like angles on it or ways you've thought about it, tried to process it through, through humor? Um,
1: you know, starting to watch comedy again. Everybody's got like their, their like little COVID kind of like thing. It's usually at the, up at the top. Um, but I do. I am of the opinion, for me personally, that I like to watch something that takes me out of what this is. You know, and. If you're watching something that's recorded and it's all about COVID, ideally, ideally in one and in in a year and a half or two years, it will feel so dated. I mean, it's it's just going to feel so old because all the information is going to change. And then when when COVID 2023 comes out, you know, I mean, it's like then people are just be like, what is this asshole talking about? So. For my special, my special, I just made it evergreen. It was my, it was a, a, a suggestion by my director, Jonah Ray, who's a very funny comedian himself. And he said, look, the majority of your special is about family and it's about your mom and it's about your dad and it's about your daughter. And you should just remove the covid material. And there's I only had really one great covid joke, but it worked. In in an idea of just having been inside for so long, like when you have a kid, you're just inside all of a sudden for like a couple months by yourself, like just, you know, taking care of the child. And so it worked in that context. And I kind of hinted at it. I have a vaccine you know, an anti-vaxxer joke as well. But it's just two jokes in an an hour. Um, And both of them are don't mention covid just because I like. Like I do think and people say this about bananas, which is my podcast. It's like we purposefully do not talk about covid It is the exact opposite of covid calls. (laughs) We do not talk about it. (laughs) And um, and people have said they just really appreciate it just because the news is so dark so often just to have a news show that is and it's not light. We're not like light, just only happy stuff. But we just don't you know, we're keeping it to the weird and the beautiful absurdity of the world.
0: Yeah, I and I've appreciated that. And I think a lot of people have appreciated that that break. Yeah. But there's also this is where historians and comedians are going to have to fight. Yeah. Because it's like <laughs> I need every comedian to do an hour of covid material. <laughs> because I we need in 5 10 years from now we need to know like how people were were processing this anxiety and yeah. you, comedians are I mean, in ways that I would have not even expected, comedians right now have become like the spokespeople for our emotions. And even they've become public health. I'm doing air quotes around experts. But I mean, Joe Rogan, Volodymyr Zelensky, president of Ukraine. Yeah. He was not only a comedian, but I mean, he was a performing comedian. Yeah. Maybe there's something happening. What's happening, Kurt? Did, did the Guild get together and decide that it's time to... <laughs> no, we're not going to do any COVID material because we're all going to be in elected office three years from now. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think all that
1: started with Jon Stewart, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once people like actually were getting their news from The Daily Show. Yeah. Why doesn't Jon Stewart run for president, man? <laughs> he would... I feel like he would win. He's just so good. He's just think, he's so good.
0: I think David Letterman would win. I think there are a lot of comedians that probably could win. You're right mm. about Jon Stewart. But mm-hmm. he pops up once in a while actually advocating for yes. 9-11 worker rights. And I know. Feared and he's like the Bruce.
1: he's Jer- he's Jersey, baby. He's Jersey. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, he's like thing. the Bruce Springsteen of comedy.
0: Yeah. He'll pop um, up, make
1: sure everybody's taken care of, they go back to do whatever he was yeah,
0: doing. He goes back to his whatever he does thousand piece puzzles or what? Who knows what he does? <laughs> I have no idea what he does. The opposite of The Daily Show, whatever it was. It says the Daily Show really, and maybe that's part of it to try to cover the daily news, but then also bring it in from an oblique angle that makes yeah. people laugh and then mm-hmm. process differently. That's like twice the amount of work of doing journalism.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, and also it is not, it is exactly,
1: and uh, I would th- also, my opinion on. On how to handle, Com is not the majority. Com- I, I I I am in the minority. I'm in the comedic minority about that. I think if you spoke to uh, many 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 other comedians, they'd be like, "We have a responsibility to take COVID and make it funny," you know. And I just don't. It's not the way. It's I've never kind of done stuff that's going around in the world, comedy, you know? Um, And it's just not my brain. Uh, But I think a lot of other comedians would think that it's their, like, responsibility as comedians to talk about it.
0: I was um, looking, you were on COVID calls. uh, Let me go back up and see here. You were on in October sixth,
1: two 2020.
0: Wow. that time, there were 210,000 on that day, 210,355 deaths reported from COVID in the U.S. And uh, here we are in March of 2022. I mean, it does feel, COVID does weird things to time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we've talked a lot about your career and I just wonder, so also, you know, just personally, like memories of this time, in that interval, like something that really stands out for you that you're like, Oh, that's what COVID was like.
1: Wow. Um, I think it's that, that initial, that initial lockdown, I feel like is the, mm-hmm. is the feeling where it was like, where people were like wearing their masks to walk their dog by themselves outside, you know, cause we just had no idea the uncertainty of that time mm-hmm. where like, You know, I think, I think, uh, I think my only time outside was to get like strapped up with masks and gloves on and a shield and then go to the grocery store. And that was the only time we go day there. So it was both kids. And Gus was like six months old and he wasn't sleeping through the night. So we weren't sleeping. And then we had to take care of both kids all day long with no income. And then the only chance out of the house was going to that grocery store for a blissful 55 minutes away from the house. Yeah. And Lauren and I would switch off who would go each week, you know, because it's like a real treat to get to go to the grocery store. Also being yeah. a little scared and then coming yeah. home and fucking washing down every single piece of gross, like grocery item. I think that's going to be the main memory, thinking that like the box of uh, gummy bunnies are going to kill us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, thanks for sharing that. And, and that, that fear, that visceral fear. Yeah. I think it left a pretty deep imprint on people. Mm -hmm. And not only the nature of a pandemic, the virus, it's something you can't see.
1: Yeah. It's an invisible fear. And the not knowing. Like that when the when the information wasn't there, that was the scariest part.
0: Your mom was a nurse, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, she was a pediatric nurse for 50 years. How do you think she
0: would have handled the stress of this time? It's been hell on healthcare workers.
1: workers. She would have been out. Uh, Maybe she would have gone back. No, she wouldn't have gone back because she would have been. I mean, she would have been 78, 79. So she would have been retired at that time, but she would have you know, she would have known what to worry about. That's the one thing that I meant. My mom died. We found out that my wife was pregnant the day after my mom's funeral. Um, and so she, and she was a pediatric nurse, you know? And so it's yeah. like, it's always those things that get you the most where it's like, God damn it. Like if I could call my mom about this, she would know yeah, right, what to, right. what to do with this kid right now. Yeah, uh, And I think about that all the time, but, um, uh, I don't think. Yeah. And that's another thing. I feel like I, we, I, we would have been able, it would have been such a resource. She would have been like, this is what you do. Don't worry about this and don't worry about that, but do this. Um, And that's the kind of the, the, the thing you're just like, oh, well, it would have been nice. But also I'm kind of happy. She didn't have to see this. It She did. She got to miss Trump. She got to miss COVID. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it was yeah. bad. It was unfortunate when, she had to leave, but at least she got out before all, most of the bad stuff.
0: Thanks for talking about it. And, and I, that had been on my mind. And I think a lot of people have expressed, and I felt it too, sometimes in irrational ways, um, concerned about people who are actually no longer alive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like
0: maybe that's normal. Maybe it's not just in the pandemic, but there have been flashes of moments with something happened to like, I'm like worried about my grandparents. I'm like, oh, they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean,
1: imagine that's the thing, too. I think I would have been so worried about her during this time, you know, because yeah. she would have been so vulnerable. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a minor relief. <laughs> Very minor.
0: Right. Let me talk. Let me bring up one more thing before we have just a couple of minutes left in conversation with yeah. Brown Alert today on COVID calls. Um, Jersey. Mm -hmm. I always have to get some Jersey time with you because I'm from Texas. Originally I discovered Jersey late in life. (laughs) I moved to Jersey. I lived there for seven years and I loved every minute of it. And you were kind of a Jersey whisperer to me too. Like I think some of your comedy like really explains some of the culture and you have described yourself as the quintessential product of New Jersey of a particular time and place. Um, I wonder, you know, how has New Jersey handled the pandemic? Is there like a New Jersey brand of dealing with disaster that's different from from I other places? I
1: think in the beginning, I think it was like it was a very interesting cause they in the beginning they handled it really well. Yeah. Um and their cases were really low and they still had like bars open and restaurants open when, you know, like California did not and stuff like that. Um, but then I think, you know, it always catches up. But I think they did a really good job with it where um at, fr- you know, they um, they had, a, you know, I don't know because <laughs> I wasn't there. My buddy was there. He was bartending. And so he definitely got covid because he was bartending there and because it was open Middletown. Look at that Middletown, New Jersey. Uh, so, yeah, I do feel like it was, you know, because it's always a mix. Jersey has that like mix between um, kind of you know uh it's kind of a purple state but it's a little bit more blue you know so i kind of feel like they had like the push against like uh like shutting stuff down but then when it needed to be shut down
0: they did shut down yeah yeah it, it the case rates were devastating and the and the death rate is was so high early that it actually has kept new jersey among one of the states that's had the highest. Yeah highest death rates but oh, i, I really? thought you yeah oh i had no yeah. idea and also because it's a it's a it's a wildly diverse state as you as you know I mean, right because really i'm blue... sure
1: yeah it's like up north near new york probably was pretty bad right in the beginning yeah but down by the shore in the beginning it was it was pretty good did you get to surf during this time you know, they closed the beaches at some point. In the beginning, they closed the beach. This is the craziest part. I also, I'd started jogging. I'd started jogging six months before the pandemic started. Really? And and I liked it. So I started too, jogging when I was, whatever, you're 43 too tall. years old. You're too old. tall
0: for jogging.
1: Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and also, I'm too tall to start jogging when I'm 43 years old. <laughs> and I really got into it, but I was trail running. Um, and so it was easier on the knees because it was always on dirt. And then they closed all the parks in Los Angeles because they thought that that would somehow (laughs) help by taking people's one ability to exercise away from them, you know? And I think that that was a mistake. Um, So I started running on concrete and then blew out my left knee. And so then had to have uh, knee surgery and then rehabilitation, then started running again and then blew out my right knee and then had to have surgery on my right knee and then rehabilitation. So it was a full year, essentially, of the pandemic that I was like, had a one or the other knee broken. Um, And so uh, so that kept me out of the water a lot. But I did go surfing. But also at a certain point, they closed the ocean like you weren't allowed to go surf, which is, again, it was the unknowing. Which was yeah. the most stressful part. You're just like, there's no way it's on a, a windy beach <laughs> salt that water. people are giving each other a virus in the ocean, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah. But we just well, didn't know. I have to admire you. They, they took your ocean away. You're like, fine, I'll take the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and then they took my mountain away. <laughs> your mountain. You're like, all right, I'll take the street. And, and then then the street
1: was like, nope, we'll you. take you away. <laughs>
0: All right. We just want to remind everybody, you've been listening to the COVID calls and these days you can catch COVID calls kind of around the clock. We're doing episodes multiple times a day leading up to the 500th episode, March 16th. And you can keep up with the COVID calls schedule on my Twitter feed at US of Disaster. And it's been great to see Kurt Braunohler again today and catch up a little bit. And you can catch his podcast, Bananas, and you can catch Hot Tub with Kristen Schaal, which is back now on a weekly basis and then your special coming out and you're always so incredibly busy and productive and i i love you and it's great to be with you love you too buddy it's good to see you stay healthy everybody we'll see you next time on COVID calls